Welcome to the Jonah Carey Podcast, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're the best. Uh, happy holidays to everybody. Hope you are enjoying yourselves wherever you are. If you're on a sunny beach, if you're shivering in the cold, whatever you're doing, this is the last podcast of 2017. 2017 has been a fun and eventful year, and uh, I hope that you have enjoyed yourselves and been prosperous and all that good stuff has happened for all of you. Thank you for tuning into the podcast all year long. It means a lot. Today's podcast, speaking of, is with Tim Connolly. Tim Connolly is the president of basketball operations for the Denver Nuggets. He was the general manager for the Denver Nuggets for four years, and he was promoted to president of basketball operations. And Tim's cool. Uh, a renaissance man, a guy with many interests. We talked about He made the argument for Illmatic as the best hip-hop album of all time. And we also talked about Nikola Jokic and scouting and weight training and how to beat great teams in the NBA, how to build a franchise, all that good stuff. It was a, a broad-ranging conversation. Tim is pretty close to me in age, seems to be pretty close to me in interests, and we just sort of bounced around. I, I like that. When a podcast does that, when you're, okay, let's talk about this. Oh, let's go over here. It tends to be fun and interesting, and that was how it was with Tim. Great way to wrap up 2017. My thanks to him. Uh, my thanks to everybody in the uh, Nuggets PR office and the Cohair and so forth for helping out and making it happen. And uh, it was a really good time. More podcasts coming up in the new year. I've got a couple more banked and we'll be going out recording some more. Uh, and as you can expect, it'll be eclectic and different and interesting as it always is. Sometimes we go straight up baseball. Sometimes we go straight up basketball. Sometimes we get away from sports entirely. You will have that kind of variety and kookiness that goes with the Jonah Carey podcast. And again, the warmest, warmest wishes to all of you for uh, the rest of this year and on into 2018. I hope that it's wonderful for you. I hope for nothing but good things for everybody listening to this and not listening to this too, I suppose. So here we go. It's the latest edition of the Jonah Carey Podcast. It is with Tim Connolly. Enjoy. No. So we're discussing being in the Balkans and like crazy trips, yeah. mid, uh, pleasure and business. And you can swear on this podcast. So go to yeah, that. I'm not a big cursor. Well, you don't have to. Be, yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, but I can if it makes it more interesting. Just oh, to... <laughs> you literally be you. It's fine. No, um, no so, I love this guy. I love the road, road stories. So oh, nice. you asked for some of the, how I got to appreciate the Adriatic Coast so yeah. much. We, we were at a world championship in Novosad, Serbia, um, and we had heard these great things about the coast of Croatia. Um, unfortunately, there was no flights yeah. from uh, Belgrade to Split, where it was kind of our launching point to explore the islands. Yeah. Um, so the option that we, we thought was best was we hired a yellow taxi um, and actually picked up a buddy, yellow taxi Nova side of Zagreb Airport, a buddy who had no international plan on his phone. So we just had to, <laughs> I mean, we went there, it was a real leap of faith, hoping we'd see the... What did we do before cell phones? We're old files. enough to know both. I just like you just spatial skills. I will meet you at three forty seven in front uh, of the statue. I don't know. Everyone was definitely much more punctual pre cell phones yeah. for sure. And I think the I mean 
dinner conversation was much more lively. I put it away. Yeah. Anyway, continue. I put it away as well. Yeah. I put it away as well. Yeah. So we get there, and it was a leap of faith. And thankfully, my buddy Russ, he's a, a big six foot six guy. He's sitting outside. Sip in a Karlovach with a local beer. Nice. We went the next four hours to uh, split, and it was actually pretty neat. We that evening um, it was a handful of us. Um, we're watching a great old Olympic game um, from Yugoslavia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's playing Russia, and it's. Is cool. this like Marshallonis and those guys, or later than that? L- later. This yeah. is um, no, maybe not. They had um, Sasha Volkov's playing, so okay. Maybe it was. Maybe Marshallonis, yeah. but Kukoc is just oh killing, killing, Ridiculous. killing, killing. Yeah. And we had this uh, apartment with no air conditioning, and it was it was uh, pretty bare bones just for the evening. And we walked out of the apartment, and Tony Kukoc is sitting right in front of our our apartment having a Amazing. coffee. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. It was, we, we introduced ourselves. He was very nice, but um, you know, one of the kind of cooler stories on the road. And you got into the scouting. I mean, we're going to jump back and forth, but you got into the scouting element of it early, right? I mean, your entree was basically as an intern with the Wiz, and yeah. then you're. You're basically on the road, what, in your 20s, just digging, looking over under rocks at that point, I guess. Yeah, we got, I got really lucky where I uh, had uh, unbelievable bosses in um, D.C. and Wes Hunsell and Chuck Douglas and ultimately, you know, Michael Jordan and Ernie Grunfeld. Jeez, and Louise. those guys were the best. But when I started, we had a very small staff and I was going to all the local games and that, that gave me a, a chance to, you the know. Math, My God, well, yeah. I mean, powerhouses yeah. in D.C., ridiculous. Well, yeah, it's loated, yeah. loaded. So that the DeMatha was... South Lakes High School, rest of Virginia. Home. I'm a Baltimore Brand guy, Hill. man. So DeMatha was my first high school game, though, um, ever. Uh, t- my high school, you know, RIP. Wait, are you Tamir Goodman's age? Uh, he's younger. Okay. Yeah, the Jewish Jordan. Yeah, yeah. yeah he well, because we're good, talking Baltimore area. He was a very good player. Yeah, I Very know. good player. He's um, in Israel now, I think, right? That might be right. Yeah, he's got to be mid-30s, late 30s. Yeah, he's a gr- really good player. Yeah, yeah. Really good player. Yeah. No, my high school shut down, actually. Towson Catholic. So did mine. Yeah. <laughs> what high school did you go to? I went to Herzliya High School, a parochial Jewish school in Montreal. Okay. Which... I was just in Herzliya for a week in... Uh, oh, in Israel. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. How scouting? Yeah, we, I worked the uh, NBA camp, Basketball Without Borders in Tel Aviv. It's serious business in, in, uh, in Israel. Yeah, I mean, you can't find more more committed fans than Maccabi fans. Yeah, and the Dov uh, Hennefeld and these legends yep. that came out of there. Holy cow. As a, as a really proud tradition of basketball in Israel and you know, talented players, tough players. Beautiful country, man. Oh, ridiculous. Amazing. Yeah, beautiful country. Oh, sorry. So so um, you're with the Wiz and you're starting your scouting process. I got lucky. We had a very yeah. small staff and the guys who... who you know, were dumb enough to hire me, allowed me some <laughs> some leeway, and um, specifically internationally, we had no presence. So, you know, I remember my first international trip. I saw uh, I saw um, Antoine Rigaudot's last game in Bologna. You were like twenty five or something. Yeah, time. it was great, yeah. and it's, it's all. I went to like a French All Star game. Cool. Spent, spent a week watching Boris and. Uh, Dial, Michael, Petrius, uh, Beatrice. Yeah, and, uh, good yeah. era for that. It was great. Yeah. It was great, and it was also just. Um, I'm kind of a history nerd, so culturally exposing yourself to things that you've never seen. Scenes, you know, it's one thing seeing the Parises and the Barcelonas, but you're in these cities that you otherwise never see. Yeah. Novosad, Serbia, yeah. or the the Pau, France, um, or you know, you're in small small towns in Germany. So it was a great way to kind of not just learn basketball, but learn about the world and learn about yourself. So, tell me a little bit about growing up in Baltimore. I find. There's some lore now, right? We've got the wire. We've got these signposts of what it is. Obviously, there's different kinds of Baltimore. Yeah. But you're one of seven. Uh, you're growing up in that town. What does life look like in a family that big, in a town like that, in a time like that? It was great. You know, I think um, Baltimore, I think we were all big wire fans, but it's gotten to the point now where, you know, it's 
I, I don't want our city to be known solely for no. kind of a lot of the violence that unfortunately we see. And you know, it's been a rough year with the homicide rate again yeah. creeping up. Um, in terms of growing up in a big family, it's fantastic. It's all I knew, so I don't really have much to compare it to. Right. But uh, you know, very close knit, very you know, irreverent, very. Uh, you know, we, we constantly making fun of each other. Um, so Four think, brothers, who all, five brothers who all ended up in basketball. Yeah, my crazy. The, yeah, it's nuts. It's five for five. It's more a byproduct, I think, of the city. And um, our high school was pretty good at basketball. We, to, we all went to a small co-ed Catholic school that you know has since shut down. But yeah. a lot of great players. I mean, going way back, Gene Shue, legendary. Oh, gee, player. Yeah. yeah, Nuggets legend, yeah. right? Yeah, did you play for Nuggets. G, so. Did Gene Shue play for the Nuggets? I know he went to high school with my I'm going to be happy if I'm right. I'm yeah. going to be unhappy if I'm wrong. I know his nickname was, is Bones, and he's got great hair. <laughs> and he's a complete gentleman of a guy. That's great cool. Guy. But then to fast forward, it's you know, Carmelo Anthony's Dante Green. So, you know, oh, I was geez. fortunate enough to play with the guy on my team was a really good Division One player. was Kobe's you know, first cousin, oh, cool. Shreve Butler, another great player. But when I was there, I think my four years, I think we had like 11 or 12 Division One players. Yeah. Um, the city itself was so chock full of talented players. So we grew up playing all sports. I mean, I... Um, I used to work at Memorial Stadium. Uh, my brother, who's you know, um, as coach, is, is working with us. He used to be uh, a concession guy at Memorial Stadium. So yeah. baseball was probably our first yeah. love in terms of being fans. You, I mean, t- you texted me and were like, okay, tell me about the Orioles. This yeah. is not going to go well. Everybody's going to be gone. They're, they're yeah. going to get traded by the time this podcast I, I, I trust the guys running the Orioles, and so my fingers are crossed. But Dan's a smart guy. Yeah, yeah. now they've done a fantastic yeah, yeah. job. and uh, they, They've got uh, some really nice guys in the PR department who uh, – one specifically was nice enough to leave me a, a ticket for the. I went to Kansas practice a couple of years ago, and I went to the uh, KC Royals, um, the, the Royals Orioles oh, playoff game. It was great. That's man. fun. It was fantastic. That's cool. Um, so, a uh, huge Orioles fan. You know, wasn't basketball specific. We played all sports growing up, and um, in terms of the city and how it embraces the, the the game, you're you're almost by accident. You don't realize how talented the guys are you're growing up with until yeah. you get to college. And you're like, wow, he's going to Syracuse. He's going to Duke. He's going to Maryland. Yeah, and then. You look up, you're 21, 22, 23, and like, all right, he's, you know, he's going to the NBA or, you know, Boosie, Greece, Boosie Thornton's in Barcelona every yeah, 28 game. Yeah. Uh, you know, Marcus Hatton is, a, you know, yeah. legendary overseas guy. So I, I think you take it for granted. You just assume that most cities are like that. But D.C., Baltimore, uh, the amount of talent and, and the amount of um, guys that have come out of, you know, these small schools mm-hmm. and smaller programs, it, it was pretty cool. Um, so it was, a, it was a great way to grow up. Do you and your brothers lean on each other? For, I mean, obviously, one's running a high school yeah. recruiting service, and the other guy's an assistant with the yeah. sons. There's all kinds of stuff. But do you kind of, when you get together, is it just like talking shop, or do you almost pull back from that because that's your life, and maybe we should talk about something else? That's a great question. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We're all obsessed with basketball. We're not uh, obsessively basketball, if that makes sense. Man, we got a lot of different interests. So Yeah, comp- we were just talking about comedy off, off yeah. uh, recording yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah I've got... I've, you know, huge stand-up comedy guy, but so the conversations oftentimes end up back there. Mm-hmm. I think what's most beneficial is oftentimes um, in um, professional sports, you can almost paralysis by analysis. Yeah, you think so hard, you look at the same things over and over and over. You certainly want to group uh, avoid groupthink as much as possible. So it's fun sometimes to just sit there at Christmas or something and say that guy stinks, you know, and yeah. see if. The four other brothers, like, yeah, he does stink. Or like, no, actually, I disagree. I think you're missing something. So the kind of the purity of the conversation is helpful. And uh, we talk about basketball all the time, but it's not like we get home on Christmas and it's it's you know, put the presents away. You know, there's a time and place to be kind of a, a basketball nerd, which is pretty much all the time. But yeah. when we're around the family, we, we try to be um, just normal. 
I got to ask you, since we're doing outside interests, I read an interview where you you describe Illmatic as maybe your like go to. And then, yeah. So we need to we need to get into this. Is Illmatic the best hip hop album of all time? I, mean, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So uh, beats Biggie, beats anybody else. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a heck of a conversation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, let's. I mean, yeah. I, we got time. I think uh, Illmatic, like lyrically, the stuff Nas is saying is just you yeah. know you can listen to it now and pick up a line that you hadn't picked up, and it's I have like five albums on my phone. That's one of them. But I feel like this is like. Like, Kendrick will have the same sort of legacy. That uh, he's super talented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In I, I that think, way. I think it's disappointing when you see the old old the old versus young arguments. Like, there's really talented guys now. Different. Different, yeah, different. kind of flow, style, all of it. Yeah. yeah. it's um, So I, I got a kick out of how, how Nas has been thrown in, in kind of the media world with some of this stuff. But I don't know. I, I think it's a great album. I think Reasonable Doubt is our close 1A. Yeah. Um, we got Nick O'Haran here, our, our PR guy, who he's... He and I are ready huge, to die. Ready to die. Ready. Huge hip hop head. He, he gave me a couple of really cool hip hop books. Um, uh, the, tri- the what's that track? Track called Quest is no, but that one album, um, the, the Low album, End Theory. Low End Theory. Yeah, that's that's Low End Theory. I mean, I think. I mean, r- really, kind of digging deep. I think Black Moon had a billion album. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, so it's. Um, but the idea that you can only, if you like old, you can't like new. I think it's. I don't get it. There's a lot of really talented artists out now. Um, so There's an yeah. interesting thing I read, which makes sense, that apparently when you get to 33, your new music radar shuts off. Either because that's the median age in which you have children, or something happens. Eddie Murray's somehow involved, huh? I guess it's 33, right? I'm wearing, uh, I got my Larry Birds, so I like I got it. the 33. Eddie Murray, Patrick Ewing. Patrick yeah. Ewing, Larry Walker. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, 33 is that the meaning? No, 42 is the meaning of life. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that because I, I, I definitely feel that. Like, my it's new really, music thing sort of shut off. I mean, I'm aware, but very, I don't have the same affinity. Very funny timing, that question. I literally, and, and Nick and, and Cody and another one of my great PR guys helps me out in music. I literally yesterday went to two of our players and said, text me some names of yeah. new artists. Because, you know, I well, said... Well, going to give you all Canadian stuff, which I love. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, he's going to go... I went... To, Wilson is real... Wilson Chandler is a very bright guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Musically, I played so, NBA Jam with him at the one He's great. He's great. He's the best. Yeah, he's so, the best. So he's, he's going to give me some, some names. I asked Will Bart, and, you know, Will's like, do you, you know, how street do you want it? I said, how like, street do you want it? Just give me good music. Gary Harris is actually really knowledgeable. Yeah, yeah. Musically. Um, so I'm looking forward to the, all those guys that they're going to get back to me, because... I agree. It's like, like how many different times can I listen to the Beatles, Nyes, and the Strokes? Like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Or can, can I hear the same Tribe album when I go for a run for the 18th millionth time? Right. So I'm looking forward to something new. So we talked about the scouting as being one entree into the industry, and you also worked as a video coordinator for a little while. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me, the path of video coordinator. Sometimes you become a video coordinator. Okay, that's, you know, that's where it goes. And sometimes it's just like, oh, you become a general manager later. What kind of skill set do you develop just crunching and crunching and looking at so much footage? Again, I was lucky. The guy I worked for, uh, Jim Lynham Jr., you know, H, is one of my best friends. And he yeah. was the lead video coordinator and had, you know, he's one of the brightest basketball guys I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. You know, grew up around it. His dad's a legendary coach. Um, you know, sister, great, you know, great in the media. Um, mm-hmm. So what was cool about that was every day, you not know, just crunch videos, but you had a supportive boss who was, you know, trying to, you know, we were always arguing or challenging each other. You like this guy, I don't like that guy. Mm. And it, you know, he, he knew my um, I, coaching wasn't something I was super interested in at the, at the time. I was trying to get in college coaching pretty hard. Um, you know, th- thankfully no one hired me. So it's it's a great entry point because you you got to watch so much and you got to learn and you got to interact with every level of the staff from the GM to the head coach. 
um, to the players. And then, you know, when you're always around the facility, you, you develop, you almost forced to become the player development guy, you know, as well, because you're always there. So Especially with small staff. Small staff, great staff, a staff that allowed people to grow. Um, so I think um, they were really fun times. And then you're in D.C. So um, between Philly and Richmond, I went to every game that, that mattered. So it's not like it's hard to see very good basketball at that point. I mean, you go see GW, you go see Maryland, you go see George Mason, you drive to see Richmond, you see VCU, and you go north, you have – Obviously, you know, Coppin, Morgan, Loyola, UMBC, you get the Philly, yeah, yeah, UVA. So it was video, you know, 70%, 30% was, okay, I'm done, and, you know, UVA is playing Maryland tonight, or I want to go see the kid at Niagara is playing at Loyola. So it it was fantastic. Calvin Murphy? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Calvin Murphy. (laughs) Maybe that kid by there. Yeah. Yeah. The only Niagara guy I could think of. Yeah, Niagara's had some good players. I'm I'm disappointed Loyola left that conference. That was a great conference for a long time. Yeah. Um, So I I think – when you look at all those things collectively, it's just it's a great way to learn because you know you don't know anything. I, I mean, I was an obsessive basketball fan, but you know you think you know everything until you're able to see some of these really bright basketball minds how they how they act, how they interact. You know, from from my seat, what's been great too. I've I've probably seen you know 500 coaches run practices. Wow. So it's, you know, you know, don't quote me that number. I would guess it's probably more. But to see yeah. how so many bright minds and how they do it, and so it's all you know. You just got to keep open your eyes, open your ears, open because everything's a, a chance to learn. And again, in DC, the guys I learned from the the, the Wes's and the H's and the MJ's and and the Ernie's and Tommy Shepherds and Milton Newtons and just great yeah, guys. Yeah. Then you get to New Orleans, and the guys in New Orleans again. You get that. I was actually in Croatia when New Orleans called. Yeah. Yeah, that was great um, with a couple buddies. Um, it was one of those, like, life moments, kind of surreal moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when we get to New Orleans, same thing. The, the one thing I can say that with complete certainty is I've been very fortunate where anybody I've worked for has been uh, – has cared about my growth. And I, I think it's – So there's no there's no fear of, oh, here comes the next guy. No, I've been very fortunate. That's and great. I think because that can happen in any industry. Yeah, it's disappointing. Um, you know, we, we use the term quite often, like, like hold ourselves the same thing as we hold players to. Yeah. So and I think the the best teammates are selfless teammates oftentimes. So we try to be as selfless as possible. And if, if there's not growth internally, I think we're not doing our job. Because certainly I'm a, a prime example of a guy that was unbelievably lucky to have guys who were like, no, do this. Yeah. So to get this next step, you need to do this. You need to do that. So I think um, every step of the way, I've just been – on, on the right side of luck. Uh, I like the nitty-gritty. I like details. When you, These 500 coaches, these 800 coaches, these guys that you've, uh, you've observed, anything stand out to you is like, oh, wow. I've never seen that. You know what I mean? Like the football team, that, the high school football team that never punted. Yeah, like you, you run across, what, this? Really? Could we do this in the NBA? Yeah, I think... I think there's so many neat guys I've seen. I think uh, Dayon was the coach of, of Mega, who you know who played, uh, who, who helped with Nikola's development uh, uh-huh. in Serbia. Dayon is like it was like a six five and a half center in one of the most physical leagues in the world. Greatest, great guy. Um, you know, was has some great brawls online. If you want to, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, he stands out not in that regard. Just a, a guy that has such an atypical approach to development. Knowing that, um, hey. I made it as a six five and a half center, you know, so I could. Chuck Hayes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chuck's Chuck's a good buddy who you know. Is that right? He worked here and he's on to yeah. bigger and better in Houston. So we, yeah. we miss Chuck a ton. But um, and I, I Chuck, no disrespect, Chuck, 
Dayon was a probably better offensive player. I mean, Chuck would have <laughs> a score. But score. you know what? Who's defending better than Chuck? Chuck uses his body better than Chuck. Chuck's a fantastic yeah. defender. Um, we try to get Chuck into tennis, so he's still working on his game. Because, right. uh, but like, see a guy like Dayon who's so atypical as an approach. Mm. Um, uh, you know, there, there's so many great coaches out there. It's going to a Michigan practice I think, eight years ago and seeing Coach Bayline, who's you know brilliant. And the one three one and the way that he did, which is the oldest, you know, people were running the one three one for seventy years, but it was like, oh, this is how well, he's, you stifle the yeah. other team. He's blasting hip hop, you know. Yeah, and interesting. It's, and it's, you know, it's, it's funny. He's a guy like, like Coach Bealing. You see him now. You, you don't. The co- coach was all over the place, you know, uh-huh. upstate New York and, yeah. and at Canisius and at West Virginia and Richmond. So it's, um, you know, if that's really neat too to see now. It's, Started interning for the Wizards in '96, maybe the, the Bullets. Then. The Bullets '96 to see a lot of these careers come full circle. See guys that were, you know, managers now or high level head coaches. Yeah. Or see guys like Beeline. You've watched. I've watched them on every step. You yeah. know, I was at Ford of my best friends playing in Manhattan, mm-hmm. watching Kenesius play and watch the development of, um, you know, not just players but but coaches, front office guys. So that, that's been a neat byproduct of being around for a long time. Um, 70 follow-up questions, but let's start with this. So, obviously, you're not video coordinator anymore. You haven't been for a long time. But I'm wondering about what it was like in the 90s versus now when you've got SportView at your disposal. You've got so much stuff. So much harder. (laughs) You've got to almost have an advanced degree in some kind of tech to really nail the job. I would think that that's got to be one of the prerequisites. No, it's so much. So it's really funny. My first kind of... The first duty I remember was two things. Picking up Gail and Nickerson from the airport who were signed in for a Mm -hmm. 10-day. Nervous as can be. Um, what? Well, oh, three. Taking, um, taking, um, oh my gosh, man. I'm not going to forget his name. You're asking me to. Charles, NC or... State, big, Charles Shackelford to the, Charles Shackelford, Charles Shackelford to Sibley Hospital in, in DC. Oh no. And then when the doctor came out, I think they thought that Charles and I were, uh, more than just friends, you know? So she, the doctor kind of explained what was going on. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not just, a significant I'm, other. I'm, and, and I'm not a doctor. Yeah, and right. I'm not getting paid. So I'm an yeah. intern. Can you call my <laughs> boss and tell him? I remember uh, Charles Shackle. Yeah, Charles Shackle, great guy. Lorenzo Washburn, Cozell McQueen. Yeah, 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 yeah. all the NC State guys, man. All the NC State guys. I had to give a video. Uh, the the Bullets are playing at Baltimore, and our H line, our, our head video guy asked yeah. me, can you have another tape? Because you have to mail tapes after games to hoop one. So you had to, every night, you had to put give a tape to the uh, to the ref and then... FedEx tape to hoop one, so they'd have to be a library essentially yeah, yeah. in Jersey. So my cut, co- we didn't have, I don't think we had cable. My cousin did it, <laughs> and it was messed up. The first like this isn't that long ago. We're not talking about no, the sixties. This is ninety six. Yeah, right. My cousin and I was, I was, you know, scared to death to give it to him. And I thought like this is the one tape of the, you know, the one copy they have, or you know. And he was, thank God, he's a great guy. He's like, we have that was just an extra man. You're good. Yeah, I was yeah. nervous. And then that's next year. He and I. Went to New Hampshire to train on Avid, which is an editing system, which yeah, of is big in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and it was pretty it was pretty challenging. It was, you know, it was a Hollywood editing system that were they were making sports specific, and every you know everything then was on one thirty one forty two. I want this play, and everything was handwritten, tape to tape. So it was very time consuming. Um, now with with technology, it's it's the easiest thing ever. It's it's great. It's you know, but there's I'm, more robust data, more robust information. It is, but it's at, at your fingertips. Yeah, you know, it's it's and if you so it's what you do with. If you it. can work Windows, if you work a Mac, yeah, um, you know, and we have fantastic video guys. Not to diminish their skill set <laughs> by any stretch, but if you if you have any technological background, it's it's point and click. 
we talked about development and player development, and I met your general manager just over there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we had a good chat about it. We were talking about bodies, and I, I want to get into Jokic. Like, I'm, I'm a Jokic super fan. We'll do that. But the the nature of – there's many aspects to player development, but sometimes it could just be as easy as strength and conditioning. And Steve has it so good. Jokic I, – I, can I say what he said in that room? The, what, you can say it. He had boobs. <laughs> you know that he he was he was not right. Yeah, he was he was not in shape. Yeah, you know, and 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 or a guy like Brandon. I guess Ingram. it takes one to know one. That's clips yeah. it out. <laughs> wow, you know, but Giannis and these guys were either real thin or or no, he's not. Look, he doesn't not have a sexy body. He's not, yeah, yeah. You walk in the gym, you're not like I want that guy, the guy with the 24 inch vertical. That's but that's, how big a difference is it from college or playing in you know in the Balkans or whatever to here? Like what? How big a leap is that in terms of? We can start with strength and conditioning. Let's go to the other yeah. facets of player development after that. I I think the NBA, our, our influence and the influence on international basketball certainly NBA fueled, but USA basketball fueled as well. Yeah, has become so um, has become so worldwide impactful that the difference is certainly talent, but it used to be. Um, it was almost like, like going to restaurants. You went to a Greek game, you knew you were going to get this. Yeah. You, know? you go to an Italian game, you get this. Yeah. Um, I mean, our tourists can speak to it better. So when I first started doing it, if I went to see Aries play Pauk, okay, I know it was going to be this brand of basketball. Uh-huh. If I'm going to see Partizan play Vezda, it's going to be this brand of basketball. And I think what's happened, and it's, it's improved the game internationally. It's but it's also kind of. It's made it a bit more boring as the world's gotten smaller. Yeah, there's more homogeneity in the style Absolutely, play. yeah. I was looking for a word like that. Yeah. Couldn't, could not get it. What I'm paid to do. <laughs> no, but like the trapezoid lanes and, you know, more free flow. And people Euro step here now. Like, they, and, it was only there. And now. the technology, the information. Yeah, so if you true. said, uh, you know, uh, you got to see Bodoroga's movie, it, it was hard to get it. Talk yeah. about video. It was hard to get. I remember there was this, uh, Thiago Splitter played Johan Petro in a mm. European Championship game in a dark gym. And getting that tape was hard. And it was not an email way. It was like, I, I don't know how many teams had it, but it was, it was a badge of honor. You had the tape. You had to know certain people. You had to wow. get the tape. And it was a really low quality tape because the lighting was terrible. But now if I want to see what uh, the coach is running for the Brisbane Bullets, you know, it's clicks away. And I, I can see what Brisbane's running on both sides of the ball. So I, I think it's, on a macro, it's fantastic because mm. it's improved our sport. It's made the game, I think, maybe the number one game internationally. And there's a debate. Football certainly has the numbers, but I think basketball is on its heels. Well, especially uh, if it starts to break through in China and stuff. Then you're starting to get to the next one. My brother just did coaching league in China with the NBA. And yeah, yeah. Fascinating um, um, stat. I don't know if it's factual, but we'll take it at face value that there's more people playing in China than there are people in the United States. More active I mean, basketball you can players. Of, how many people? Well, One point three in China, yeah. something like that. It's okay if a quarter of the country's playing. Say so like three hundred fifty to four hundred million people play basketball yeah, on yeah. a regular basis. So it really, really needs that. Very encouraging about where the game's going. But I, I Yao think had to be such a big influence. for sure. I mean, come on, yeah. Sure. Anyway, go ahead. And the CBA is a good league, and mm-hmm. the NBA has done a great job engaging that market. But it, it is. It was cooler when it was like, oh, it's a Serbian game. Okay, here we go. Yeah. So it's it's th- that part um, from like the kind of the basketball geek and the basketball fan is. It's, it's kind of disappointing because I liked how unique each each country was and how unique their games were and how they played. I went to a Euro Final Four a few years ago. Where'd you go? What city? It was in Barcelona. Yeah. At uh, the wait, wait, uh, uh, the old place, the old arena. Yeah. Um, and it was. 
I've been to a couple in Barcelona. Uh, the big green, Olympiacos. Yep. Um, Not really narrowing it down. They're there like. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. The, the big Turkish team was there. Uh, okay. <laughs> right, that narrows it down too. Let's say, let's say Maccabi's there and Seska's there. Maccabi's <laughs> not there. How many, how many years ago? Like three or like eight? This is like 09. That was there. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. It was fun. It yeah. was really cool. And, and you did see a different style of play. Yeah. Uh, God, I can't remember the Greek point guard's name, but he just had this, he was very Rubio-esque. You yeah. know what I mean? There was just that Papa sort Lucas. of flow. It might have been. He yeah. was a veteran. Like he yeah. was in his thirties and he, he just had this. Like there, what he, there is no NBA point guard equivalent. Really, just sort of yeah. slithered in me, and and, and was, I found that very interesting just watching. It. And it was the first Euro Final Four I'd ever been to. Yeah. I don't think I'd have been to a Euro game. Period. I was just like, oh, this, and and the crowds. It's like right. soccer crowds. Yeah, I was at. I'm trying to remember who when I was the at Greek that. Greek crowd and the Turkish crowd. They're just like so chanting, and it was great. And I'm just like, why don't we have this in America? It's fantastic. It's the yeah. uh, and even the crowd. The crowds are still unique. You go to. If you go to a French league game, it's what's the the horn they, the World Cup? The Vuvuzela. It's that yeah. uh, drum, drum, drum. Yeah. If you go to Serbian game or a, a game in Greece, like your lungs are done with the smoke. You ever been <laughs> to a baseball game in Japan? I heard that's I've never been to Japan. I heard that's really nice. as a baseball. I know you like baseball. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. I went to Tokyo Dome. It was really cool. So cool. Every player has his own song yeah. <laughs> and they give you a song sheet I don't speak Japanese yeah. but I had a friend who was bilingual was from Brooklyn he's like okay here's what you do okay Nori Aoki's coming yeah. to the play okay I went rooting for the Yakult Swallows and it was so immersive and you, like instead of you go for beers the they come the, the, these girls the beer girls yeah. come down and they got like 90 pound kegs on their back <laughs> they probably weigh 90 pounds and they're just like and, and you know it's, it's just like a party it's so cool what's, it's so unique what's the old song speaking Japanese or what's uh, the turning Japanese? Does anyone have that song for their approach? All I know, no. um, all I know is uh, when I was riding the subway, they were like, "Because I'm six foot four and yeah. white and pale," and they're just like, "What? What? Are, what it, like I was an alien." It yeah. was great. Oh, you're a third baseman. I was something. It could have been maybe a third baseman. Um, yeah. So going back to because uh, we got sidetracked. It's going to drive me nuts. Who won? It was 2008, right? Uh, eight or nine. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. Who won that? I was uh, freelancing. It was ESPN Mag. Could have been ten. No, I think you're right. I think it's right in that zone. Um, so uh, player development and particularly strength and conditioning. So t- a guy like Jokic comes in. Yep. And he's a piece of clay. Yep. What happens here? Like, what? why is it so much better here? What? I just did a pod actually yesterday. I recorded yesterday, so we're going to run it a little bit later. We're going to name Lachlan Penfold. Uh-huh. Lachlan Penfold was the head of performance, you could say, for the Warriors last mm-hmm. year. He now works for a rugby team in Australia. They've won three in a row. Mm-hmm. Whatever, they're great. And, and it was so interesting. Like, float tanks. I didn't know anything about float tanks. Mm-hmm. It just And the way that nutrition is done. And, and it was just... It's so immersive that I found it fascinating that it was just, oh, yeah, you could take this guy, and when you're scouting a freshman at Duke, when you're scouting a Brandon Ingram, who's a stick, yeah. you're just like, yep, that guy's going to go for 20 and 10. How can you see that he's going to go for 20 and 10? But you can. Yeah. So what what happens between then and, and, and now? Well, hey, it's a guess. You can't. I mean, yeah. your fingers crossed. But the body is, is you know, we have um, a great guy just left us for uh, e-gaming, Jared Jeffries. Okay. Uh, one of our... Dearest friends and a brilliant guy, but he, he was the best. You know, Jared. Whenever a guy would bring up a thing, oh, he's a stick. Skinny Jared would always say, "I was 190 pounds." At, I remember Jared. 190 pounds at Indiana. I played at 245. You know, my last four years in the NBA. So have, having guys like Jared and Chuck who are different ends of the body spectrum yeah, is yeah, really yeah. helpful. Um, I think the NBA, everything is done so first class. We're, you know, we're fortunate. We have um, big time trainers and strength coaches. You know, um, where. When you're playing internationally, you just don't have the resources. Uh, yeah. The schedule doesn't allow it. You're playing two or three games. You're flying commercial. College, you're going to class. Yeah, in yeah, college it's hard. So here, we're able to control your diet. 
we're able to um, to a large degree control your time. But it's, it's also uh, the player has to be willing because when you get to the NBA, you can really work your tail off. And it's only a four or five hour a day job. Mm-hmm. And so you, you get here an hour early, you shoot for an hour, you go to practice and you lift. And then maybe you come back and shoot at night. Maybe you watch games. But you know, I, I always joke with players, you can be a workaholic on five hours a day in the NBA. Um, so you also have to have players who are, are willing to kind of police themselves, um, who are self-disciplined. And I think we're lucky with, you know, St- Steve has had such a great foundation. Now Felipe's carrying the torch. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Daniels, big-time background. Steve Short, you know, Dan Szyminski, Jason Miller. We have a new PT who's a really bright guy, Matt, out of uh, upstate New York. So collectively, if there's – there's a best and brightest idea. They're always up on it, and mm-hmm. they bounce ideas off each other. You mentioned Australia, like the rugby league, rugby union, uh, Aussie rules football. Those guys are, are well. The Ben Simmons story. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're some of the most intelligent guys in the world. Yeah, yeah. How we approach it. We're also lucky where um, the the family that on our, our team has uh, interest in, in an EPL team in Arsenal. Of course. So information share there with the Rams, with the Avalanche. I think the Rapids are really cutting edge for what they're doing with mm. the, the MLS stuff. So collectively, it's well, I'll be in these rooms. Now, I don't get a third of it. It's like Latin to me. Yeah. But having the confidence that we have guys in those positions that are really smart, really passionate, and always looking to challenge themselves. And you know, th- that field is so forward-thinking. You know, it's, it's, it's so... It's like technology. Whatever you bought a year ago is already outdated, and mm. that's how that field is. So when you get a guy like Nicola, there's going to be limitations. You're not going to give, give him a 35-inch vertical. Yes. Um, but how do you how do you develop him in, in a way that's functional and not just um, aesthetically driven? And I, I think we've done a great job with that. And then Nicola is lucky because he's got two brothers who are great, who are, are very aware of working out and what they eat. Yeah. And, uh, you know, both those guys are really into, well, his oldest brother's into every form of contact, but <laughs> into MMA and different types of, uh, uh, of martial arts. So he had a pretty strong support system in place as well. Mm. It's, uh, w- one thing with Jokic too is it's like, Oh, the art of passing. Yeah. Maybe it's coming back. You know what I mean? That I grew up with Magic and yeah. Bird, and, and and of course everybody's era when they grow up. If you're Jordan guy, you're mm-hmm. Jordan guy. But there's something about running an offense through passing that is so whatever. I'm a romantic, and I can't get enough of it. Is that the kind of thing that is just you can't like? All oh, these Gretzky's only come around once in a while, or is that something that can be? taught to have those kinds of instincts. I don't think you can teach what Nicola has. Yeah. I think you can uh, develop passing skills. Yeah. Uh, uh, when, you know, I'm, I use humor to quite a bit with our players, so I joke all the time when Gary Harris got here. I won one game early and had five assists. I said, this must be a typo because you can't. <laughs> no, you he's can't, a gunner. You can't pass a stone. No, he's not He's not a gunner. He's just, <laughs> well, I, joke with a, I joke about his lack of playmaking, yeah. and he's developed into a, a good playmaker. Yeah. You know? Well, he's a, good, a great all-around player. He's an excellent player, but, um, you know, he's developed that. You know, he was mm. not born with that. Um, I think what Nicola has is so unique because, um, you know, some people are step at He's two steps ahead. Um, I, I think the passes that he's – and at times, you know, you, you got to give uh, Mo so much credit. He allows him to play through those mistakes because yeah. he'll throw some passes, maybe ten percent success rate. But guy, if it works, like yeah. early in the year he tried well, to throw. Well, Steph will do crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, early in the year he what? tried to throw behind the back uh, alley oop to Wilson on a two on one. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, was, I hope you're up thirty. <laughs> I don't think we were. I don't, no. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> and it was that's where or maybe down thirty. Yeah. Mo was so great where. 
certainly wants to wring his neck, but he also, I think he appreciates part of the, part of the appeal and part of, part of the real charm of, of Nicola is he sees those things and he'll take those chances and, you know, if, if it works more than it does it, then, then it's worth it. Um, but Nicola, like, if you really want to see some crazy passes, when he was his last year in Mega, mm-hmm. well, his first year here, so, you know, we, I talked about, we had talked about his passing so much to the coaching staff and he was playing traditional basketball, making good passes here, drop pass. I said, Nicola, you know, I've seen you make every pass in the book. He has a pass. He used to make it mega. He'd be the dive guy, catch, and one motion, throw between his legs to the strong side quarter. Like one motion. How? He just dive, I'm, catch, I'm, I'm watching bounce. you and I'm thinking about, wow. Yeah. So I said, I brought that that pass, I brought this pass, and I kind of you know, obviously joking with him a little bit about being a little more creative, pushing the envelope. And he goes, yeah, but at mega, I can make this pass. And he just kicked the ball. And I still play a lot for minutes. I'm trying to get my minutes here. So I think his, his brilliance is is instinctive, yeah. but it's also uh, uh, Moni deserves a ton of credit where he recognizes it because there's going to be times where you want to come on, come on. The behind the back from a static position and to Wilson Chandler, who's the ball was 18 feet in the air, and right. he had a funny quote out to it said, well, "I thought Wilson get that one. <laughs> he can leap a little. But come on." Very long answer short, I don't think there's many guys. He's the best passing big man I've ever seen, um, and that's no disrespect to the. You know the, the Waltons, the Sabonis, mm-hmm. the Divox. Those guys are some of my favorite players of all time. What's unique to me about Nicola is is um, uh, ability to make the play on the move, enough, not just from from the post, from the elbow, but he he can make uh, plays on the move and on the dribble that I've never seen a, a center make. Uh, only two basketball nerds are going to appreciate this, but I have to throw this in the best in-game pass I've ever seen. I used to be a USC season ticket holder in the early odds. Yeah. That's like Clancy and Blue. Yeah, yeah. I just guys. talked about that team with Brian Scalabrini last week. Scalabrini was yeah. the author of this pass. Yeah. That was a fun team. They went to the Great Elite team. against Duke. Who, who, yeah, who did they, we were trying to remember who they um, who did they play opening weekend? They had a big. Which I was well because they lost at UNC Wilmington like a couple. Yeah, like, Brett Blizzard's team. You know, I was playing pickup. I used to have to guard Desmond Farmer. That wasn't. He was fun. a really good player. Yeah, was, was, he took it easy. I mean, shot threes, but yeah, he plays hard too. Yeah, no, he's he was very good. We literally, I I'd never met Scalabrini, and I we caught up with him before the Celtics game. Myself, Richard Jefferson, and I said yeah. that was one. I really liked that team. And that they lost to Brett Blizzard's UNC Wilmington team. I think. Yeah, afterwards. So yeah. in 01, that was the year they. I think it was the one where they played Duke. So Brandon Granville, really good point guard. Five nine, really five yeah. three or whatever. Yeah. He throw he dribbles up and, and it's high post passing that really gets yeah. me. Scalabrini is standing on the foul line. And they've got a leaper on that team who really couldn't do anything. Trapagne? Trapagne. Yeah. Was he really? Yeah. That guy you know, some guys don't have limited skills. Mega athlete. But man could yeah. he jump. Mm-hmm. Six three, four, but like leaping, leaping, leaping. Lefty, right? Lefty. Yeah. So is Desmond. Yeah. So Granville brings the ball up, and this doesn't look like anything is going on. He brings it up. Scalabrini goes to the foul line. I swear to God this is true. Granville kind of throws a little looper. Scalabrini takes it. His back is to the basket. He taps it, a back tap behind his head. This is right at the beginning of the set. They're five seconds in. Alley-oop to Trapani who dunks it. I was like, I, I, how? how? Do they practice that? That was, that was a really good team. It was a good, really team. good team. Yeah. yeah. Scout, Scout came from the junior college, and then Granville was an excellent point guard. Sam Clancy was Bluthenthal was huge. And in fact, I, saw, I think Bluthenthal was in that Euro Final Four. Yeah, he was. David Blue. David yeah. Blue. He became David yeah. Blue. He could really yeah. shoot. All, all those guys had nice careers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some in the NBA, some international. That Clancy was wrecked team. his knee, but he would have been. Sam Clancy was really, he, really He was good. a baller. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a little bit more about Jokic and kind of the first time you saw him and, and how that came to be. Yeah. This story's been told a bunch, and Lee Jenkins' yeah. story was great. But from a podcast perspective, you're seeing this guy, and he's, he's just so different. You know, it's just a different kind of skill set. What did you make of him, and did you say, 
oh yeah, that guy could be an NBA star, or mm, interesting, he's got a kind of interesting blend of skills. I haven't seen that much. Well, we thought, you know, we thought he had a couple things that gave him a chance. Certainly, he was six yeah. eleven. Uh, he comes from a basketball family. Mm-hmm. Um, he had two things that were that stood out in terms of passing, and um, you know, he's a good, very good shooter, face up shooter. Yeah. Um, and we, this, it was the same draft. We took uh, Yusef Nurkic. We thought, hey, maybe those two could. You know, one's the banger, bruiser, a little more developed. Yeah. One's more skill, more finesse. We thought maybe it'd be a, a good one-two punch at center. For sure. Um, they both are having great careers. Then also it helped that um, he had a lot of these international picks. You have to ask if they want to play here. You know, mm-hmm. There's some really good players who've been drafted and never show up in the NBA. So his brother, Nemanja, was a great guy, played at Detroit and then CW Post. Uh, his his uh, girlfriend, who's the best, uh, she had been in the States yep. as well. Um, he had interest in playing in the NBA. We were very fortunate that he, he's got an excellent agent. Here is his Jeff Schwartz, and over there is Mishko Raznanovich, who's really, really, you know, Running Europe right now, very, yeah, yeah. very bright guy. We had Joffrey Laverne uh, a year earlier, and we we had taken Joffrey and let him sit over for a year and kind of sign him. So w- there was comfort level with who was representing Nicola. There was a comfort level that if he was good enough, the guy wants to play here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we thought, why not? I mean, it's such a crapshoot anyway. After yeah. you get outside of a Top certain level, yeah. Um, look, he's a big, likes to play. He's a great passer, and he's got soft touch. Um, it gives you a puncher's chance. Like in the second round, that's. We overuse that term. Let's, does he have a puncher's chance? House money, whatever you want to say. I just, does he have a chance? Like, why would he make it? And if whatever your criteria is, if it's three, it's, it's five, it's six. Does he check enough boxes? Like, okay, he can make it because and six eleven passes the heck out of the ball. Basketball family, um, you know, smart, uh, very well coached. Uh, mm-hmm. Mega's great. Dayon's a great coach. Um, Intrigued by America. Uh, and then um, the year, uh, we saw all that prior to the year take, we took him. The year that we are kind of like nudging each other was the year after we took him, when, when he became Major League MVP. Yeah. And his first game, I think that, well, I think we watched it, and he had like 20, 13, and 6, and we're like, Oof. yeah. We're like, <laughs> well, he's way better than we thought. Yeah. Um, so it, it's certainly an atypical uh, development, and it's, um, it's so much is because – of just his IQ is so unique. Is he able to be effective uh, without being the most athletic of guys or being the strongest of guys? But all, all those factors, without any of those factors, if he probably doesn't get here. I mean, we knew that there was a there was a vibrant um, European market for him. Yeah, we're very fortunate. Where a lot of us um, and our you know our tourists are the legend in Europe, but we're we're pretty um, well versed in Europe internationally. We have a lot of friends, so you're hearing things. Hey, this team's coming to see him tonight. Yeah. This team's coming to see him tonight. This comes to him tonight. and this is a guy who not made any money, you know, for for Mega. Um, so, so many things had to go right for him to be the player he is. And without, with one of those things goes astray, if you know, if the right European team offers the right contract, who knows? That's where. We're lucky that we had a good relationship with Mishko. We're mm-hmm. lucky to have a good relationship with Jeff, um, and and that you know that was based off uh, our time with Joffrey. So um, I, I think it's a fascinating story. I, I don't think it's one that um, we'll likely see repeated for a long time. And I don't think um, you know he, he's that good. I don't think it's flukish. And Nicola is that good a player, and he's he's that good a player to be our foundation piece for a long time couple more. I want to ask you about Blueprint, and I made our tourists wince and want to punch me in the face because I, I cited the... The album? Well, no, I cited, <laughs> I cited the ESPN article. The Nuggets have the Warriors Blueprint. And it's like, whoa, 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 buddy. But 
I find the idea of blueprint and roster building, I mean, you know, when you're a sports nerd, that's how you are. Because I'm a baseball guy, there's a thousand ways that you could have a power bullpen. You could do this, you could do that. In basketball, your roster's smaller. You have to stash guys in Europe. You're capped out. There's all kinds of things that can happen to you. So bottom line is, there does seem to be some common themes where, okay, so Harris could be your, like, Clay Jr., and this is this guy, your focal point. Okay, Jokic ended up being a little bit better than we thought, like Steph, whatever. Oh, Millsap, like, that's the Iguodala role. And you start to sort of... Fill it in, but it feels like a lot of it just depends on is this guy good or not. Like if Jamal is a good player, that's one thing. If Jamal's a star, the Nuggets might be a title. You know what I mean? Like these things change. No, so much is environmental, and so much yeah. it's, it's so fluid. I mean, we, we we're pretty obsessive with our planning. I've got twenty books. There. I see the boards behind us. Well, I've got, that, that's that is all books. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. What we write. If I showed you what we thought of Nicola two years ago, it's. Looks completely different than what we thought of him three wow. months ago. Um, Gary's developed. Barton's become yeah, yeah, I mean, all these guys. It's a testament to our coaching staff. It's a testament to, um, I think, patience is not just with players. It's with we have a very patient owner. Yeah. So I think if, if we're going to preach patience, we have to really exhibit patience as well. Um, so I think um, it's, so, it's so fluid. We When we went into Paul's free agency, um, we were – Barely cautiously optimistic, knowing the, some of the moving pieces behind Denver's it. Denver's just hasn't been a traditional no. big ticket destination. Even a lovely city. No, and then the city, the city's fantastic. It's ridiculously great. It's great. So, yeah. if you know, if if you knew Bird in the hand, you're getting Paul Millsap going. It changes everything. You don't. So, so every time you make a move, it, it essentially you rip up your previous plan and keep moving. But I think what's important is is the key pieces. Like Nicole's, so much of what we do now is going to. Based off Nicola and mm. how he plays, how do we protect him? How do we compliment him? Um, so he's made our job easier for sure. But the, the nature of it is, you can't have seventeen guys now with two ways. You can't have seventeen guys make it on your team. Mm. You can't have fifteen guys make it on your team. So I think you want to find the seventeen most talented guys that fit, and you want to you know try to avoid cannibalization as much as possible. But yeah. the reality is, there's a guy on our roster right now who, who I'm sure. I don't, I'm not talking about anybody in particular. It could be anybody, but there's one or two guys in our roster right now that would like a bigger role. They probably won't get it here. We'll get it elsewhere and be a good player. It's just the nature of professional sports. I know, sport. get 40 million, right? And you, yeah, that, that, it's that, not going to make sense fa- for you. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. You can't have you know, 15 to 17 rotational players who are all playing, all producing, all getting paid. It's just not the nature of it. So I think in terms of. Um, Model, we put a huge premium on um, kind of uh, IQ and skill guys. Mm. Uh, we put a, a huge premium on, on the person. I think we have 17 great guys. We have a coach and staff full of great guys. Our owners are fantastic people. So I, I, it, your job's a whole lot uh, more enjoyable uh, when they're good people you're rooting for. It. I think also when, when you really trust the person, that you give them chances, you know, second chance, third chances. When you don't like the guy, you know, you're much more apt to say, you know what, get out of here. Also, it's a mistake profession. I sent, um, the baseball, I sent our staff an article that, uh, I read recently about the Astros after they won the, the, mm-hmm. uh, the and they, you know, the Astros, they won the World Series. They, they're at the pinnacle. The, the article was great. It was how many things that they had done wrong effectively. Interesting. And it was a really cool article. Well, JD Martinez, they gave away for nothing. That's a, a bunch swing, of right? guys. Yeah, yeah. And it's, that, that's the nature of it. You're gonna, you're gonna miss, you're gonna trade the wrong guy, but I, the, the purpose of sending that article out was let's never be governed by fear. Let's be let's always be proactive and be aggressive. But know that you're not going to have the best 17 guys in the NBA. It's just it's not feasible. Yeah. And if we if we try to 
attack every draft pick, every trade, every signing with that fear, I think you get yourself in a lot of trouble. Let's do our homework. Let's really put a put a um, a high value on who the person is. Can he fit here as a guy? Is he self motivated? Is he a guy you want to be around every day? Um, and then just close your eyes and hope for the best. Uh, so one last question, which I do at the end of every podcast, is I always ask the guest for a nugget of wisdom, a life tip, something yeah. that that's quintessentially them. So. I meet you in a bar. It could be serious or super not serious, but I meet you in a bar. You know me, I'm always serious. You're <laughs> always serious. I meet you and say, Tim, like, you know, what's your deal? Huh? And everybody, people have come up with ridiculous answers or like, oh, well, I can't believe it. Give me like the yourself. best one you've got. I always, I get to tell the story all the time. Trey Kirby, who on the starters, yep. uh, NBA TV, he's great, funny guy. He says that as soon as you get to the airport, your vacation begins. Go have 62 Cinnabons. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're on vacation. <laughs> just do so it. Trey, Trey would be about 600 six pounds if he was a scout. <laughs> Trey, Trey can ball. He's yeah. a pretty good player. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I have a, you know, lots of believe in yourself, lots yeah. of no fear, lots of that. Well, stuff. I always say, I got an easy one. I always okay. say if I if someone was ever dumb enough or they just had exhausted their Rolodex and asked me to speak at some commencement ceremony, I said it's super easy. Don't judge. Good. Work hard. Yeah. And laugh. That's it. And, and then the last one, have like sincere relationships. Don't develop relationships because there's this guy. Be around people that you generally like being around. They don't have to be like you. They don't yeah. need, to, need to look like you. They don't need to share similar, you know, interests. But like I have a wacky group of friends. Like I, I had um, my bachelor party in Rio. And, um, cool. and it was, we had a five foot five guy from Seoul. We had a seven foot NBA player. We had, and everywhere in between. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I should it looked like we, I should have had like a white lab co on like eight or nine guys Love from all it. different walks of life. But the only uh, common denominator was everyone laughed themselves. Everyone was really nice guys or good people. But just don't judge. Um, work hard. And um, I think if you can do those things, no matter what you're doing, the industry is going to be pretty good to you. Yeah. Sweet. Thank you for your time. This was great. And I wish you guys the best of luck. Uh, I am very selfish and I want to have a championship team here in Denver. So am I. I, I, I share this. I, I would love to be selfish. Um, I think we're going in the right direction. I'm, I'm proud of where the team is, especially um, if you told me when the season started that Paul's going to miss this amount of games and the Cole's going to miss that amount of games. And uh, you're right in the mix. I, yeah, I, I love where we are right now. Um, I think um, we'll only continue to get better. I think our, our coach staff has been fantastic. I think we have the best owner of all professional sports, and I'm not saying that the Brown knows but sincerely the patience that he's shown us and, and kind of the footprint that uh, you know. KSC has internet mm-hmm. from LA to London. I think it's it's a neat thing that w- w- that we're able to really uh, maximize and, and help you know all all the franchises, not just the Nuggets. But I think um, we're trying to get there, man. It'd be great. I, I think it'd be fun, and um, you'll see me at a bar for sure if that happens. Nice. You'll see me at a bar either way. Of course. Thank you for your time. Thanks, man. That was fun.